Good evening, Vancouver. And welcome back to Canucks After Dark, January 30th. And it is probably the biggest, is this the biggest episode we've done? Like the most important one? It feels like it only because, Parker, we weren't even supposed to do an episode tonight. That's why it feels big. And the fact that the 42 people sitting in there are waiting for us to start, I, it feels big. Yeah, on a day that we've told everyone we're not going to be here. Um, <laughs> as you can see, I'm in a new location. Um, yep. I was I was not planning on, on being here, but then I was having lunch at about like 2.30, 2.45, and yep. my phone starts blowing up, and apparently the Canucks don't have a captain anymore. Um, it's not Shane Wright. But it is mm. a couple of other guys, which we will get to. Uh, but as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? I'm great, Parker. You know, it's funny. I, I'm so glad that we were able to reconvene. Act, after we mentioned or we decided that we weren't going to do the show because you're in the middle of a move, I made plans. And then you text me and said, I think it's time to do a show tonight. I said, good idea. So we, we changed things around. And it's funny. You said you're in the middle of work and you're eating lunch, your phone blowing up. I was in the middle of a weekly director's meeting. Usually I would run outside and try and get something on YouTube just to get something. And I'm sitting there looking at my phone, <laughs> seeing all these notifications. And I'm trying to listen to my boss. I'm like, oh, dang. And, and sure enough, uh, an hour and a half later. But still, this is still, uh, it's not about getting the news out first. It's about getting accurate news out. And that's what we're going to do tonight with some good, hard-hitting analysis, I think. For sure. And I haven't even really had time to like digest it. Right. Like it, yeah. in a moving day, it was really just like the lunch was sort of our break time, you know, and I see it yeah. come up. I'm like, all right, well, we got to get back to work, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm finally sitting down, sort of digesting all of it, uh, reading all yeah. of the tweets. And um, yeah, well, I guess we should start by breaking down the pieces. Yeah, and we'll right. have a lot of time to share what the, the, the piece is, what we think, and go to the people. We, we And don't wait for us. Start talking to each other. Start talking to each other mm -hmm. in the chat and just tell each other how you feel about this trade while we try and break it down and, and make good sense of it all. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the trade, just to, to sort of throw it out there, is Bo Horvat at 25% retained. So the Canucks eat you know, one point about $1.4 million for the rest of this year, essentially not much maybe reduces, yeah. reduces some, um, maybe a little bit of flexibility here and there, but yeah. not a big deal. And in return, they get Anthony Bavillier, uh, a 25 year old left winger, um, sort of middle six, uh, Atu Ratu, a 20 year old second round pick from the 2021 draft and a, protected first round pick top 12 protected this year uh, so if it's a top 12 pick then it becomes an unprotected 2024 pick otherwise if it's 13 or after the Canucks get that pick this season so first wow. reaction you said you're sitting there in a meeting and yeah. uh, and your phone starts going off and you start seeing the details come through yeah. what's initial reaction Excuse me. Very truly, my initial reaction, without seeing the protected part first, right? I just saw first round draft pick. 
my, my immediate reaction was, okay, where are the Islanders in the standings? I know that they're trying to hit a wild card spot, but they're not in. So that means they're in the bottom 16, right? Not the, the top 16. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, does that mean we're going to get a, a 10th uh, to 16th overall pick? So I started to go through all that. Then I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of Beauvillier. Okay, I, I know him. I know he's young. I know he's not like their upper echelon winger, but he could be a middle six guy. And then I remember Aturatu's name because I remember that he was really highly touted. Then he dropped down in the draft, but then he had an awesome World Juniors here in Vancouver. So then I was thinking all these things. And then I honestly, my first reaction was sadness because Bo is my favorite player. But I, I'm not just saying this. My a- actual first reaction was, wow, considering the Islanders have no guarantee to sign him, I think we did pretty good. That was my honest to God first reaction. Yeah, I was sort of mine too. It was, all right, they got a player in Bavillier. Like my first reaction was player Bavillier. I know he's okay. Uh, Ratu, I know, like I've heard, like I remember hearing leading up to that draft, like the year before that he was really yeah. highly touted and then he sort of, his stock tanked a bit that year. Uh, and I'm like, all right, that's interesting. It's a name I've heard as a prospect, uh, which is usually a good sign. And then I see a first round pick. I see protected. And I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't know exactly what that means yet because it hasn't come out. Right, and I'm thinking, right. well, we wanted them to get a first. We knew they wanted to get like roster players. So there's the Bavillier, there's the first. And then you throw in a pretty high level prospect, you know, yeah. probably now the best prospect in the Canuck system, I would think, yeah. um, based on just how he's touted, even though you're only 52nd overall. But, you know, very highly regarded, had a, had a really good season last year in Finland like crazy good compared to the previous one. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. My other first reaction, like you said, you went and checked the standings. My first reaction was also, what are the Islanders doing here? <laughs> like if, if, if you look at this trade from a Canucks perspective and you think, you know, I don't think this is the best return they could have gotten uh, or I don't like the return. Well, yep. then I'm on, then you're on the boat of like both teams lose this trade. Because right. I don't, I don't get it from an Islanders perspective, especially if there is no guarantee to sign them, right. and they also have no guarantee of making the playoffs because yes. they are not in a playoff position as it stands right now. And the Athletic has them at fourteen percent to make the playoffs right now, right? Like, great point because crazy. Yeah, Ratu is not playing for them right now. And uh, that obviously the first round pick isn't playing. So really you're swapping Beauvillier for Horvat. If you're the Islanders with no upgrade. Yeah. 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 True. And is it an upgrade enough to get them in the playoffs? And if Horvat, you're right, does not re-sign with the Islanders, which obviously they're going to say they're going to do their best to re-sign them. They've already said that or to sign them. Then yeah, you've given up um, three decent prospects, uh, one, one player, two prospects, for a player that may not get you in the playoffs. And it pains me to say that about Bo, but we don't know. Hopefully he does well there, but is it enough to get them? Remember, they're on the outside looking in with a couple games uh, more uh, played extra than the teams they're chasing. So it's no slam dunk. You said it was 14%, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and like, like according to Athletic, Bo Horvat is worth about three wins above replacement per season, mm. right? So what? There's only, we're halfway through the season. So he's going to win you what, maybe two more games than you would have won before, right? Give you an extra four points. That's that's not enough to move the needle when you're only projected to get about eighty-eight point six points, right? So maybe it gets yeah. up to ninety-three, but they're in a you know they're in a spot where ninety-three probably doesn't get you there, right? They need to go on right. a bit of a run because they got to they got to leapfrog Washington and you know Pittsburgh at the you know at the same time. 
Yeah. Um, so from a strictly Islanders perspective, it's a it's a really weird trade, yeah. especially that first round pick is so intriguing. Oh yeah, right. We because we basically if, want the it, Islanders to suck two years in a row, right? That's what we want. Right. We want them to fall <laughs> off a cliff a little bit here. It depends what you want because we're yeah. talking about a draft that's really deep, right? If we just true, focus true, on that true. first round pick for a second, being top twelve protected, yeah. you know, we're talking about a draft where you know. 13th overall would be an excellent addition most likely yeah. right and we're talking about as it stands right now um if if the if the season ended today the canucks would have the sixth overall and 13th overall pick barring wow. any lottery shenanigans on the canucks pick on the sixth um which is huge like that's fantastic that's exactly what a rebuilding team needs or the islanders fall off a cliff a little bit further yep that becomes a top 12 pick and then the Canucks have an unprotected pick next year. Well, if the Islanders fall off a cliff this year, do we see them taking a big step next year? Nope. Probably not, especially if they don't retain Bo Horvat. Right. <laughs> and then we and then we are potentially talking about you know a lottery pick next year. Yeah. That that is unprotected. Um, if we suck, so just, we could have two lottery picks in 2024. <laughs> right. Like if we just focus on the first round pick, I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, well, yeah. if, if the Canucks trade him to Boston, that could have very well been 30, 31, 32 overall this year. Yeah. Right. And now yes. it's probably at worst like 20. Yeah. Right. And that's assuming the Islanders go on a, on a heater, which is pretty unlikely. Um, and there's a chance that it's a top pick <laughs> next year as well. That is like that in itself is is huge value. Because yes. again, you, you, any of these teams that were that were rumored to be in on them, that you know, you expected it to be a, a high twenties pick. Going from the high twenties to the high teens or mid teens, that is a big jump in potential value in itself. Yeah. So even if the Bavillier, uh, Bavillier and Ratu return is a little bit lower than you might have wanted, that first round pick is worth quite a bit more than it would have been from Boston or New Jersey. Yeah, well said, Parker. That as much as we might like Beauvillier, as much as we like Ratu, the first round pick might be the thing that puts this trade over the top for Canucks fans. And I know we have so many angles. The fact that it was Lou Lamorello who traded the rights to Hor the ninth overall draft pick. There's so many the the parallels to the nineteen ninety eight trade where it was Linden going for three pieces to the Islanders. There's so many angles, but the one I want to just put out there is pretty funny. Patrick Alvin, <laughs> he did an 18 minute uh, presser to talk, thanking Bo to talk about offers and why the timing, blah, blah, blah. But I, I will say, uh, as Jasper mentioned, he butchered two of the three names. So he called um, Beauvillier Antonio Beauvillier. Then he called him Aturati, which is admittedly the way it looks. The only one he didn't mess up was the first round pick because we don't know who that is yet. <laughs> That's good because that's, you know, we've seen some first round pick names get butchered in this market uh, by Stan Smeal. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's um, so so sort of if we just sort of break it down piece by piece, right? Yep. That first round pick is super intriguing. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, being a Seahawks fan, like the Russell Wilson trade, right? You trade that for you get that first round pick back. You're expecting it to be kind of you know, like, yeah, we're getting the first round pick back. Fine, whatever. And then that team falls off a cliff. And now the Seahawks <laughs> are bringing fifth overall in this year's draft because of that. Yeah. Well, you look at this and you know the Canucks will be picking fifth overall next year from yeah. this trade. And if the Canucks are in a true rebuild, whether it's a three-year rebuild or whatever, um, you know, what if that Islanders pick next year is a top pick and the Canucks pick next year is a top pick, right? What if they have four and eight next year, right? Like that's totally feasible at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you get to the other pieces. Um, obviously, the, the I think the least interesting one 
uh, is Bavillier. Nothing against him. Uh, he is seemingly your stereotypical middle six winger. Uh, he's yep. 25 years old, so he kind of fits in that that age window that they're looking for, right? 23 to 26, maybe. Uh, maybe a little bit on the higher side. But, you know, a winger who has played a handful of seasons in the NHL, um, his career high is 39 points in 68 games in the uh, the shortened season um, from COVID. This year so far, he has nine goals, 11 assists for 20 points. So we're talking about a 35-point winger. Right. Who is making... $4.15 million this year and next year before becoming a UFA. Right. So this feels like just a, a piece that needed to happen to make the money work, right? Canucks are giving them a $5.5 million player and then retaining 1.4 and then they take Bavillier back. So the money's basically equal on Horvat mm-hmm. and Bavillier. And then, you know, obviously Ratu's money isn't going to hit on the cap yet. Right. Obviously the first round pick. So the money stays the same essentially um now uh new york upgrades from bavilia to horvat uh the canucks downgrade get a little bit worse better for the tank add a bunch of assets and uh and now you know we could have a route of potentially flipping bavilia because the canucks have so many wingers making so much money right like it's it's starting it's starting to get a little bit absurd when you look at brock besser as a winger connor garland bavilia kuzmenko um, like it's a, it's a lot of wingers and uh, Mikheyev, Tanner Pearson. Uh, it's a lot of wingers making a lot of money. Uh, and now not a lot of centers, you know, the Canucks are down to basically Pedersen and Miller as, mm-hmm. as their top two centers and no defense other than Quinn Hughes. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it's a clear move to get a little bit worse. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Bavillier? Yeah, I think you nailed it really well. The point I really like you making, Parker, is because he's, yes, he's after the season, he's only on the books for one more year at 4.1. So you either, if he performs really well, then you look at signing him to another short one, or you're right, he becomes another a trade chip. You could flip him next this season or even next season, get a, a year and a half out of him. And then with him becoming a pending UFA at the end of next season, you do the same thing that we just did for Horvat. You're obviously not going to get the same return, but at least you have that that uh, option in the uh, in new york you know and i get that wingers can swap places but at least on the depth chart he was fighting for minutes behind bailey anders lee and zach parisi and then on the other side was barzell and palmieri so he was whether it's the second line or third line but obviously the islanders saw him as dispensable or to make this trade work yeah he's a point four point per game guy so that screams middle six even third liner to me maybe he can get uh, Alvin seems to think he can do more within a, a true top six role, second line, obviously not not top line. And you're right, he did have two seasons where he had more than 0.5 points per game. Those were the two shortened seasons, though. One be- shortened by COVID. The second season was the weird one where everyone played in weird divisions. <laughs> and then since then, yes, he's kind of got back to his just under 0.5 points per game. So, um, I, you know, I, I admittedly don't know a lot about his style of play, Parker. I look at his size; it's not massive like 5'11 180 so he's not like thin but he's he's not the tallest guy ever uh he doesn't get a lot of penalty minutes so obviously he's not like a big bruising guy or anything so I, yeah. I i gotta watch a bit more of this guy's game but his point totals are consistent so at least that shows me that he he plays a lot of games which is good and he he's you can count on him for like you said 30 to 40 35 points a game uh per season not per game per game would be awesome yeah 
That would be insane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that Canucks would have destroyed by a landslide. If that was the case. Um, yeah, it's uh, to me, it's you know, he's sort of he just feels like a, a kind of just a sort of another middle six winger, which the Canucks have a bunch of. And yeah, I think this really opens the door for a Brock Besser, Connor Garland move, right? Yep. Because now you yep. look at the you look at the Canucks lines, and you're starting to uh, <laughs> you're starting to really have a glut of wingers, right? You're going to have, I mean, with Mikheyev out right now, like for this season, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, going into next season, assuming you know a healthy Mikheyev, he's behind Kuzmenko and Besser and Garland and Mikheyev, and um, yeah, you just you just start. Pierce, to, you know, Pearson might come back. Pearson, right? So you're <laughs> he's at best a third liner, most likely. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure he's not, wouldn't be stoked on. So yeah, maybe a potential to, like I said, move on from Besser Garland or flip him around, um, for another asset, uh, and just sort of keep piling them up. Yep. So it's funny, uh, but I agree with you of the three assets and the Canucks kept saying they wanted, they immediately wanted center right hand D and a pick. So they got center left winger and a pick. But yeah, of the three assets, the Canucks got back Beauvillier. He's the most well-known right now, but he's the least sexy or appealing of the three quite frankly yeah absolutely and then there's the other asset which is the one i'm most excited about i i like obviously the first round pick's really exciting but that could be anything right um this is a player that we can start looking at start looking at highlight packages and start looking at sort of the history of this player because it is pretty interesting uh and that is atu ratu which ends with a y but is an ooh sound (laughs) which is so confusing to me um and my my american english brain um <laughs> yeah the, where it gets really interesting is is looking at the stat lines especially if you're on like something like elite prospects where it has so much history yeah um because i remember hearing this guy's name in like 2019 ish that mm-hmm. yeah he was going to be a, a top prospect in the 2021 draft um yep. and then he goes and starts playing some professional hockey with carpot in uh liga the top finish league in his 2020 2021 season his draft year and he does almost nothing he puts <laughs> up six points in 35 games um three goals three assists and his draft stock tanks and he goes what is it 52nd overall to the new york islanders he does yeah yeah so I, I again i love picks like that for like late second round like yeah take a shot on a guy who has high pedig- pedigree and had a bad year right maybe he bounces back and then the following season he plays six games for carpot only gets one point and then gets loaned out to yukurit is nice. how i'm gonna guess it is nicely done um, 41 games played 13 goals, 27 assists for 40 points. So he goes from getting a point every five, almost every six games, essentially over those, those previous 41 games, seven points and goes. And then his next 41 games goes from seven points to 40. So he just immediately takes off as a point per game player. His plus minus, he was a plus 26. (laughs) And then my favorite stat of his is he played seven games in the playoffs yeah. had two points, but had 34 penalty minutes in the playoffs. He had more penalty minutes in seven playoff games in the entire regular season, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. Wow. Um, did really well for the Finnish team at the World Juniors, put up 10 points in seven games, including three goals. Yeah. Uh, Fifth and, high scorer, yep, yep. Yep, he was, really, he was pretty good. And then he played this year, he got his first taste with the Islanders, 
played 12 games, only two goals. But from everything I've seen, he sort of got the, he was playing like eight, nine minutes a night, like not yeah. like barely getting any ice time. Um, so not really a great representation, but playing in the AHL 15 points in 27 games as a 20 year old. That's intriguing. That's a genuinely good prospect to have in your system uh, and a, a really high risk, high reward one, right? Like a player yes. with maybe a pretty low floor, I would guess, but a ceiling that could go pretty high as well. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm looking at elite prospects as well. And I remember that he's got a heavy shot. Um, they, they say he's got a hard, accurate shot. He's not afraid to go to the net because he's quite big. Uh, he's six foot two. 187 they list him at which is fine with me that's that's pretty good six foot two good size for a center and uh i agree with you parker i i'm not a prospects guy you're you are more of uh barely but you at least you know who these guys are but i i do i remember this guy's name and i remember because he was the fifth leading scorer at the world juniors here in vancouver and uh yeah he um this is exciting this this one the fact that he dropped all the way to 52nd when he could have been a first rounder. That's why Patrick Alvin, it's funny. He basically says, we basically got three first rounders because Beauvillier was a first rounder. Ratu could have been a first rounder and we actually got a first rounder. Yeah, that was a bit of a stretch, but I like <laughs> I like the style there. Um, you know, first round talent, I like the idea of. That's but better. you can't That's say better. he was a first rounder because he wasn't. Um, yeah, he is a, a super interesting player with a great shot. He's a center, which is valuable as a prospect. Um, yeah, it, it just seems like, I mean, he was their best prospect, which isn't saying much, right? Their top prospect is like our top prospect at this point. Um, yeah. But now the Canucks have the better one because <laughs> they they have gotten rid of their top prospect. So all in all, we're talking Bo Horvat, 25% uh, retained, which doesn't matter at all. Right. Um, for a middle six winger making... Maybe a little bit too much money. I wanted to look at the, um, see if I could find the Islanders player card. And by the um, way, why you do that? I just, re I keep saying it was in Vancouver. No, the last two world juniors were in Edmonton. So the one that he mm. did well. And so my apologies for that. Well, good. I'm seeing if this link works, but it might not. Uh, nope. This is for last year. Okay. And we have uh, 200 people in here. This is easily our biggest show. Is it? That's crazy. Uh, yep. I think so. Uh, last year he was worth 3.5 million and he makes 4.2, but that's okay. last year's stats. I assume he's about the same though. He doesn't seem to have changed all that much. Right. Um, so either way, you know, he probably is a little bit overpaid as a winger. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. Cause you might be able to, to turn him into something in the future. Um, you are talking about a, a I would say a sort of a B level prospect, right? A, a prospect that's not a hundred percent chance of hitting by any means. Um, but a potential to get a a really good um, centerman uh, that can yeah. shoot the puck really well. Um, and then a first round pick that has a lot of potential because we can go from if it's if it's a top 12 pick this year, then they get an unprotected one next year. And if it's top 12 one this year, that means the Islanders have done really bad. And right. that means they'll probably be really bad next year, too. Um, That's the hope. Or they pick somewhere in the maybe the 13 to 20 range this year, because as it stands right now, that pick is 13th overall. Right. Knox have six right. overall, which uh, is a, a really nice place to be at this point for the Canucks. Yeah. No, that there's so many. Um, by the way, Shiraz, uh, I see Shiraz gifted five memberships, which is awesome. Thank you, Shiraz. So that's the equivalent of uh, like a 20. Is it $5 for us or $2? I think, no, I think it's a dollar each. Wait, so it's equivalent of $5 donation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you Shiraz. 
That is all. And then Sager's Rage actually gives the five dollars. Uh, we should have kept Horvat and traded Miller. That first round pick will dictate if we get fair value. Fair enough, and we will get to that. You know what could have been for sure. But thank you for uh, the generosity of everyone in here. You know, well, there's so many angles, but I think uh, okay. So we I think we did a pretty good job of breaking down return. what could happen. Yeah, the return. Um, uh, and I think Parker, we we said it right from the start, but. The fact that the Islanders are not guaranteed to resign Bo, I actually think that the Canucks did well. I really do. I do too. And I think if if this is the best offer that the Canucks had to this point, mm-hmm. and it's coming from a team so bizarrely, a team that has, as it stands, coming into tonight or coming into this morning, a 14% chance to make the playoffs as per the Athletic. Like, that is it's it's really bizarre it's a it's just such a bizarre move on the islander side money puck has them at 12 percent, by the way so consensus around 10 to 15 percent chance to make the playoffs yeah. um, because they've played so many games already i just i don't get it from an islander's perspective that's that's the thing i i you know from a canucks perspective i like it i don't think it's like a slam dunk fantastic move lots yeah. of you know you basically have two good lottery tickets in, in ratu and that pick but I, I, I just don't get it from the Islanders' perspective because, yeah, it's not going to make you good enough this year to sneak into the playoffs. And even then, what are you going to do? You're going to sneak into the playoffs and then, you know, and be like, hey, Bo, you know, remember that you said that you're tired of not making the playoffs and you just got off of a team that isn't <laughs> going to make the playoffs and you want to play for a contender? How about you stay here instead? We really like you. We gave up a lot of stuff for you. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I, it doesn't make any sense to me from their perspective. So, I mean, I mean, to me, just on like a, uh, does it make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think the Canucks win this trade, not even looking at value just on, you yeah. know, like why did they do this? Small angle too, is, as we'd heard Parker, that the Canucks were not allowing teams to talk to Bo's agent to negotiate an extension. So to either work out a sign or a trade or just to have assurances that he would be signing long-term for this team. And I've heard different things about how that would affect the bargaining power. Let's think this through. So if, if you allowed a team to, uh, do, does that technically increase the the return you could get or decrease? I'm trying to It's It's a bit of both, right? It, okay. it gives the potential for the player to basically only have a good conversation with one team right. and sort of make it public. Like, yeah, I'm only signing long-term with this one team and that limits mm-hmm. the return of everyone else. Gotcha. Um, or it can help if the player is very, sort of willing to go wherever and gets a bunch of good offers from uh, other places. Right, right, so right. it's kind of, it's kind of a risk uh, type of thing. And it's, we see it pretty often that rentals don't do that, they, yeah. that they don't negotiate ahead of time. And a lot of the time they do stick around. I, I'm sure it makes them feel valued when, um, when a team does give up a bunch of assets for them. But at the same time, you know, if you're Horvat and, and again, you keep saying over and over that you want it to be, or, you know, you're in what year eight, year nine, and you haven't made the playoffs yet. Um, or you, I guess you have made the playoffs, but you haven't had a real run um, and only two chances at it. Yeah, I don't think the Islanders are going to be my top choice either when I'm yeah. an unrestricted free agent in the offseason, unless they're really offering a bunch of money. Because again, you could go somewhere with you know a real chance to win, right? Maybe you can sneak onto a, a Tampa or a, or a Boston or, or a Vegas, even though I think Vegas is sort of going the wrong way. But you know, you could probably land on a team that has some upside. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point about landing on a team with upside because 
every show that we've talked about this, we've talked about Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Dallas, Colorado, all teams that expect to make do some damage in the playoffs. There's no guarantee that this team's even going to make the playoffs. And then if you're a bow, yeah, yeah, that's that's a very fascinating thing. Are you willing to yeah show gratitude a little bit and 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 maybe technically then the Islanders can offer him eight years, right? Where no other team can because he's their guy. Yes, because it was before yeah. the trade deadline. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating, right. man. Next angle. John asks, could the Islanders turn around and flip Horvat technically in the next month and a half? This would be absolutely crazy. We've seen it before. Yeah. My my mind immediately goes to Mike Hoffman. Yeah. Um, because I think he want like they wouldn't trade him within the division. So I think San Jose, what San Jose traded him for like a day or something like that. <laughs> um so yeah, theoretically. Lou Lamorello could take Horvat and flip him for something that they'd prefer more. That seems weird to me and unlikely. It would be cool if like the trade deadline came around and they realized, okay, we're not making the playoffs. Let's just flip them. Right. Right. Get, get a first back. Um, again, I, it's, I just, I, I'm sure the Canucks got offers from all of the teams that the Islanders would also be fielding offers from. And if the yeah. Islanders offered the best package, Unless the Canucks were off put by trading Bo in division, that would yeah. be the only thought is if they didn't want to make a trade to Seattle or didn't want to make a trade to Vegas based on the fact that they're in the same division and maybe it haunts them in the future. But in the NHL, that's not super common. I don't think it's not like football where you see them twice a year and that's, you know, an eighth of your games. Yeah. Um, so I don't see it. I think it just doesn't happen. Correct. Yeah, I, you mean the flipping. You don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. It, it is very rare. It happens once in a while. But I, I simply think... No, I simply think... Yeah, the, I, I think... Um, I haven't heard, actually, what Lou Lamorello said. I've been mean, focusing more on the Vancouver coverage. But to me, it's obvious. He, they think that this... Or maybe they got a couple other moves lined up where they're really going to push for the playoffs. Because uh, you don't make this trade. You don't give up three decent assets for a team where you're uh, a year that you're not going to try and make the playoffs. So maybe this is the start of a few um, and they, you wouldn't think they'd be buyers, but maybe Lou feels the pressure there. I don't know. <laughs> Cause as someone said, if it doesn't work out, he's going to be gone. I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, we've we just jumped back to the standings here, right? Like they got to catch, they got to pass Buffalo. Yep. Buffalo is one point up with three games in hand. They have to pass Pittsburgh, who's two points up with three games in hand. They're three points back of the Capitals, uh, who yep. have the same number of games. Those are really the only teams that we're talking about here. Everyone else is at least seven points away with a bunch of games in hand. So right. they need to pass two of those three teams. Um, and again, like I said, 14%, 12%, whatever the number might be it's 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 a weird move that could really benefit the Canucks with that uh, with that first round pick. Mm -hmm. And just imagine if Ratu becomes as good as Horvat or at least close to it, then then you and then that yeah, this trade could be very I know it's going to take a few years to figure this out, but this trade could end up being very lopsided for the Canucks, especially if and we don't wish ill will on the Islanders, but especially if, if Horvat doesn't resign with them. Yeah, then when you look at this trade on its own in the silo, it's a good trade. And I, I feel that now, and I, I hope to feel that in three to five years from now. I fully agree. 
Hmm. Uh, next thing I guess we should talk about is the player leaving because we haven't really talked about <laughs> Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat at all. Yeah. Um, because you know he's been he's been the captain for how long now? Like five years. Yeah. To this point, eighteen. That sounds right. Yeah, something like that. Um, which is you know it's it's weird because it it feels like so long, right? Since that last Sedin's game, and then he gets to see the following year under Travis Green. Um, yeah, a real, you know, obviously very well spoken, very well liked around Vancouver. You know, he's had the like, ah, he's not a true leader and he's too quiet, whatever all those, uh, all those are, but he's a player who really turned it up this year and, you know, secured the bag for himself, right? He's going to get a ton of money because he's producing a ton of points, uh, especially a ton of goals. And uh, and he helped the Canucks out because now the Canucks are able to accumulate uh, a handful of assets, which I mean, imagine if they did the same thing with Miller going to this this draft this year and yeah. how many things they would have, uh, how many picks they'd have, how many prospects they'd have. You know, those are two things that would have stocked the cupboards pretty quick. But um, yeah, they they lose their captain, which is like they're going to be a worse team uh, for the next 30 um, something games, um, mm. which. Is probably good for the team, but uh, yeah, I mean, your favorite player, as you've said yep. Yep. Um, a few times. Um, what are you going to miss the most about Horvat on the team? Yeah, you know, one thing, Parker, is when he came in as a rookie, he, I, I think we had an idea that he'll be almost like a two-way forward, like not a defensive right. stopper, but he'd be a little bit better defensively. He came in, he, he was a bit of a, a bull in a china shop uh, type skater. He wasn't the most fluid then his defense wasn't that good. I remember one season, every single shorthanded goal, it felt like uh, Horvat was on the ice. And then he intentionally improved his game. And we see it in the way that he became a, a really good skater, one of the best skaters on the team and a very powerful skater. And remember all those beautiful in-out moves that he was doing on the St. Louis defenders in the, in the bubble. Yeah. So he became a better skater. Obviously, he became a much better shooter. And we see that, and we've, we've read the articles about how he changed his release and he always, he's making it almost Austin Matthews-like in that, that the goalie can't detect where the puck is coming off the stick. So what I loved about him, Parker, among many things, is he was constantly trying to improve his game. And you're right, he, he grabbed the bag this year because he knew that this was the year of all years to really show improvement. I like the fact that not once in his career has he been under 50% face-offs. Every season, he's been anywhere yeah. from 50 to 58%, which is, uh, you might say, well, whatever, 58, or that's only 8%. When you take, whatever, 2,000 draws a year, that's massive. That is a massive deal. And I, I just love how he's always improved his game. He It's not like he's a wimp. It's funny. He, he doesn't have a lot of hits, but he does take some penalty minutes, uh, some penalties. So I wouldn't say he's the most complete player I've ever seen, but you couple his leadership, which I think he grew into, the improvement of his game, his work in the community, um, for all those reasons, I think that's why he was captain, and that's why I, I'm certainly going to miss him for sure as a player. Yeah, it's it is a it is a big loss just from an organizational standpoint. Um, you know, take the hockey out of it, right? You can look at it and say, okay, well, he's he's 27 years old. He's the captain for a team that hasn't done anything, right? They haven't made the playoffs. They haven't done this X Y Z. That's never been Bo Horvat's fault, right? Yep. I mean, yep. sure, leadership plays a big role doesn't play a big enough role with uh, with the way this team has been. Um, so I think he gets a little bit of unnecessary flack, but I also do understand that, well, this group didn't win anything. Why keep them together? Right. Um, 
yeah, he's um, yeah. I've always been I've always been a fan of Horvat because uh, he was crazy to think back on it. He was sort of the start of the first rebuild, uh, and, uh, wow. and now he's gone after you know eight nine seasons, whatever it was, yes. um, which is a little bit painful, right? It's like oh, he was he was drafted and as you know so it's so long ago right it's it like almost it was what 10 years ago almost 10 years ago the canucks uh made that trade yep. and, and yep. drafted horvat um and to think you know i mean he's halfway through his career probably at this point um and it's it it just was time right and it made sense i mean he said all the right things today you know he had that um that thing where he said you know I, he thought he'd be part of the canucks family for life mm. um which I think was fair. I don't think he thought that this morning, but I think he thought that, you know, coming into the season most likely or coming into at least last off season before the Miller uh, extension. Yeah. Uh, and, and things like that suck, right? Horvat was the guy that, you know, maybe the Canucks should have hitched their wagon to. And we've talked about Miller uh, over and over and over again. And if this trade had happened in a vacuum uh, and they just got rid of Horvat out of nowhere, maybe we would have been a little bit more negative on this but we have the context of the JT Miller extension, right? And yeah. we have the disdain for that contract like we sort of had from day one <laughs> where we can now take that into account and then say, okay, well, where, with the situation that the Canucks were in this morning, are they in a better position for the future right now? I mean, it, it seems like a yes. And it's not Shane Wright, which I wish it was. Yeah. Um, but that first round pick is so intriguing with the protection that like I I'm not going to be disappointed in the trade until something yeah. goes really wrong with that first round pick. Um, Here's a question for even you. If, Park. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was so just going to say, know, even, if, um, even if like, you know, Bavillier is kind of mediocre, which I, I think is likely. Um, and and Ratu is is, you know, just ends up being decent. Um, yeah. There's still that potential for that first round pick to be a, a home run with the way that protection scheme works because it could be a top pick next year um, mm -hmm. which i think is the ideal scenario yes agreed on all points with horvath's leadership i'm not talking about any dissension rumor dissension between horvath and miller i'm talking about general leadership style we've already heard talk at least once say uh i can't remember if he said better leadership or change leadership uh, he said something about leadership that kind of raised a few eyebrows then when you hear talk it talk about players trusting one another, a mindset, being soft. I'm not saying it's all Horvat. Do you think Horvat was part of that? I'm I like a little, but again, yeah. I I don't think we know enough, right? I think for most things that we've heard from like like media and people who are are close enough to it, like we've heard all the right things about Horvat. We yeah. haven't there haven't been any hit pieces on Horvat as a captain. Um like to me, I I think you know th this team has had a lot of problems organizationally, hmm. and and to me, it, I I would lean towards the organization being the problem in most of those cases, <laughs> uh, over Horvat himself. Right, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking. I wonder if we should chat for a few minutes uh, about uh, who might replace him as captain. Do you want to go there, or do you want to keep talking about Bo? Yeah, I had um I was thinking, yeah, we could talk about, you know, sort of what's next, right? Sure. Um the captaincy um and, you know, what trades are are in the works cuz this is a clear rebuilding step, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. They had a player, 
who was an unrestricted free agent. They couldn't sign him at a reasonable value. And instead of just adding another, you know, another one to the millions column, they yeah. said, no, we're cutting bait and we're going to, we're going to get some younger assets for you. Yes. Um, with the pieces that the Canucks have left and with, you know, a month and a half or a month and a little bit uh, until the trade deadline, we've heard rumors on, you know, Thatcher Demko lately, um, which have been a bit surprising. Um, and then obviously you have the Garland and Besser rumors sort of floating around and maybe even a Luke Shen. What do you think's coming down the pipe here? Okay, so before we talk about captaincy and before I answer your question, very quickly, Carol, thank you for the $5 donation. You just heard about the trade. Okay, that's fine. Could you quickly lay out for me what does it mean by the first time that is not safe? Yeah, uh, very quickly, 20 seconds. We get the Islanders' first-round pick for this year's draft unless it's in the top 12. If it's in the top 12, we get the Islanders' 2024 first-round pick no matter where it is. That's what the protection means. Thank you, Carol, for the donation. To answer your question, yes, I agree. I, I do think, Parker, this is the start of a series of trades. I think, you know, Patrick Oveen talked about how much he respects Luke Shen. It was almost to the point where he was almost setting the, the market up for if they don't trade him. Because we the three UFAs were Kuzmenko, Horvat, and Shen. Kuzmenko signed, Horvat traded. Now Shen's the next domino to fall. But he was, yeah, it was weird, man. He was almost setting the market up for saying, don't be disappointed if we don't move him. So there's that. I agree with your point that you made about 15 minutes ago about the glut of wingers that we have in Kuz, Mikheyev, Pearson when he's healthy, Besser, Garland. Uh, then there, we want ho space for Hoglander and then Podkolzin, and of course now Bovillier. So that's eight forwards I just named for technically six spots, right? You don't want any of those guys playing on your fourth line. Right. No, you're right. I, I think this. I, I think it's a fantasy to think we're going to move any of the defensemen, OEL Myers, despite that being the biggest need of our team. You have to trade from your supposed area of strength. And right now, our strength, now that Horvat's gone, is indeed the wingers. Or at least there's the most volume there. <laughs> I do yeah. Think, yeah, I do think there's a trade coming down. I, I really do. I really do. Yeah, what sucks is wingers do have the least value. <laughs> but True. there is, you know, there there is some some players with some cachet, right? Brock Besser being a big example of that. Yeah, um, yeah it does feel like, like something's going to come down. Um, I, again, there's more and more smoke around Thatcher Demko, which scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a he's had one bad season and an injury, which, you know, reason for other teams to be wary, which means values probably lower than you might expect. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I I'm just I, I like Thatcher Demko a lot. You know, I feel like he's a he's a guy that you want to be back there. Um, you know, he's 27. You know, he's not old but he's not young right um but i i mean i think you know he's probably got another good six seven years left in him you would think um that i don't think you need to be rushing him out the door yeah um, as of yet i agree with you and uh you know <laughs> i guess the worse you do parker the, the less untouchables you have remember it used to be the core four of pd hughes Bo and Brock, and then we added Demko and made it a core five or whatever. At least I did. And then Bo's gone. Brock could be traded. Um, and now that leaves you with PD, Hughes, and Demko. And I, and I think there's a great segue. So, yes, I agree with you. I, I think Demko, off year, a bad team. He still has got, what, three more years left on that contract, right? Uh, three this more after two? this one. Yes, yeah. this is year two. So you're right. Plenty of time for him to reform, regain his, his, his form. 
So I think it's a perfect segue, Parker, to this whole discussion on on PD and Hughes because Alvin two or three times specifically mentioned we have young guys, we have young leaders in Pedersen and Hughes. And he was asked point blank, are you going to name a new captain? Well, we're going to meet about it over the next couple of days. And they have that luxury because there's, they're on the All-Star break and they're bye week. Right. So fine. Then, um, well, who might it be? And then he said, well, we've got to talk about it. We have a great leadership group here. But Pedersen and Hughes are two guys that I could see fill the role. So it's, it's neat. It could be going that way. And I, for one, I, I wouldn't mind if it was P- Actually, now that I think about it, I wouldn't mind if it being Hughes. I don't know. Because uh, he, he's actually the better, more eloquent speaker of the two. But is that weird? I guess it's not weird to have a defenseman as a, a captain. I just, in my mind, I, I go to Petey more than I go to Hughes, but maybe I should be open to both. Quinn Hughes always does have that quiet, sad demeanor. <laughs> like he does always, <laughs> he always looks devastated. Yeah, like something um, bad happened at home or something, right? Like, yeah, always. Um, so I don't like know why he's I'm never, <laughs> He's never screamed like, like you never watched him and like his play is obviously fantastic. Um, yeah. But you never look at like his demeanor and think like, oh, he's like he's rah rah leading the leading the boys. Like he always just seems sort of quiet, reserved, um, and, and sort of. So I've never really considered Quinn Hughes like my pick as a captain. However, yeah. if they went and named Quinn Hughes as the captain, I would be like, oh, I'm. They clearly have something going on in the room where he is the leader, and uh, and that is fantastic, and I sort of support it wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's just Patterson and it's, <laughs> it's not close. Like yeah. he is by far the best player on this team. Uh, he has just single-handedly carried this team at times. Um, you know, it's a, a true lead by example. And, and I think he doesn't have like the media scrum experience. Like he's not in front of the, the cameras after every game and things like that. But I mean, I just, I, I feel like it's his team. You know, mm-hmm. and whether or not that's just because he's the best player or, or whatever it is, just whenever I think of of the Canucks, that's the guy I think of. Yep, I have no disagreement there. I really don't. And I, I heard a theory on the radio that today it was Don Taylor actually who said this. He says, despite PD's kind of bristling, if that's the word, at the media, uh, and his English is fine. I'm not saying, but the fact that he never felt seemed like he felt comfortable or embracing that task the Canucks still trotted him out there and granted he's been our best player this season so he kind of goes with the territory but Don Taylor was saying what happens if the Canucks have actually had this Bo Horvat trade possibility in their mind and they're obviously then you have to think about replacing your captain and maybe they've been trying to get PD more reps in front of the media so to speak because they want to name him captain and this is going to be part of his job it's kind of fascinating when you think about it potentially I also sort of have the mind like you don't need to do it this year, mm. right? Like the team's yeah. not, the team's not doing much for the rest of this season. Right. You won't need a captain seemingly. for the playoffs is what you're saying. <laughs> right. Like you could, you could just wait um, until the off season, um, you know, and, and that would be a fine time to do it. Right. Like Pedersen can be extended this off season, if I'm not mistaken. Right. That would be a yep. good time. Yep. Right. If they mm. work out like a long term deal for Elias Patterson with eight figures of salary associated with it, um, that would be a good time to be like, all right, we got him locked up for for the future. Uh, we will now name him the captain at, at home game one. Right. Like they yeah. did for Bo Horvat. 
um, you know, that's that just seems obvious to me. My fear is you go at you name Elias Patterson, the captain, and then he doesn't resign, and then now you don't have a captain again. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think there's really a hurry. You can run three A's every game. Um, you know, Patterson, Hughes, and Shen, or whoever yep. else you want, JT, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, again, they're not. The the athletic has the Canucks at zero percent to make the playoffs. By the way, so wow. you know we're not we're not talking about a playoff team here, obviously. Yep. So with Horvat's departure, then that leaves who is the A's this year? Myers, OEL, OEL, and Miller. No, PD, no Miller. No, yeah, Miller, right? I think so. I think well, yeah, we saw PD with the A uh, at one point, but I think OEL was scratched. Right. Right. So yeah, I think yeah. So do you think, actually, that's a really good question. And I'd, I'd love to ask it to the chat too. Do you think they're going to go the rest of the season without naming a captain? Like I, I, you laid out a good argument why they could, but do you think they will? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go, I, I, I would think so. Cause that's what I would do. Right. Again, you just, you have this brand new coach who's coached mm-hmm. three games. Like what's the rush, right? Like he doesn't know the players yet. Yeah. He's not he like he's gonna have an instrumental role in naming a captain and sure he has like he has the the first impression view of it, but I bet there's players that are you know maybe a guy like Elias Pettersson is more quiet behind the scenes leadership style that you know maybe a Rick Talker won't notice in the first six days of his job, <laughs> um, but would notice more down the line right like like things like that where you know you're really gonna make a decision after being with all these guys for four or five days. It seems yeah. a little odd to me. That's fair. That's fair. Unless he's somehow seen enough from what he's seen in the past week and three games practices and what he'd heard about them. But yeah, I, you're right. And it, it was kind of nice when they did the, although everyone knew it was going to be Bo, speaking of Bo, it was kind of nice when they did that whole ceremony at the very first home game of the 50th season to kind of launch it. That was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. No, that was great. Yep. I, uh, I think that is a good way to do it. Sure. Sure. All right. Wow. So we've gone through the return. We've talked about Bo. We've talked about captaincy. We've talked about trades coming up. Um, I mean, hey, the Canucks have played under Rick Tockett for a week. Yeah. Uh, not that I care about any of the games that happened. I They're mean, two and one, brother. They're two and one. They killed Chicago. Chicago's so bad. And then Chicago yeah. went and beat Calgary uh, a couple days ago. They got run out of the building by Seattle. That was they, rough. They then beat Columbus um, when Columbus is, you know, the worst team in hockey. So not that surprising. The Canucks, you know, the Canucks are like the fifth, sixth worst team in the NHL. And they beat the two teams that are worse than them. They lost to the one team that was better than them. And, uh, you know, that's all I have to say about that week. We don't really need to drag it out, I don't think. No, I I will say I I was at the two games. And um, if (laughs) you're right, Columbus and Chicago are the two worst teams and we beat them both. so and then we got smoked by a really good team but I, i'll just say this if the canucks don't even exert any effort and they just play average and chicago and columbus play average our average is better than their average so it's no surprise we actually beat them 5-2-5-2 um, and then we lost 6-1 to a team whose average is way better than our average so even if you're trying to tank or trying to screw up or trying to do silly things the those two teams are doing that too and they're probably better at it than we are quite frankly <laughs> yeah no absolutely <laughs> Um, quick touch oh. on the tank walk, uh, tank watch, by the way, 
Yep. Uh, Canucks could leapfrog Montreal in their next game with a win. You know, there's sort of there, there's sort of like a three. There's like some tiers, right? You got like the Philly, Ottawa, St. Louis tier. Yeah, like around 50 points. You got the Montreal, Vancouver, San Jose tier, uh, tier 26, 27, 28 uh, in the low 40s. You have another big bit of a gap for the Arizona Anaheim and then another gap Chicago Columbus. So if everything sort of stays kind of smooth sailing equal, the Canucks are between five and seven, right? Sure. Between San Jose and Montreal, maybe Arizona can push up. Right. Um, I doubt Anaheim can, and I very much doubt Chicago and Columbus are doing anything. Um, so I, I think the Canucks are are pretty much going unless they fire sale, like like if and if they get rid of a few more players, then maybe we see a further drop. Um, but I think we're talking about you know probably a five to seven range pick. And then with the Islanders, if they stay where they are, 13th overall. Otherwise, you know, maybe a pick next year. And uh, Irwin showing his good reflective listening skills. Our average, though, just decreased by dealing out our captain. Yeah, that's true. That's a lot of goals. It's a lot of goals <laughs> they just lost, um, to be fair. Uh, and another winger to throw onto the pile in Bavillier. So, yeah, that, that is going to make the Canucks worse. Um, is yeah. it, the thing is, you might also have San Jose trade Eric Carlson. Right. Right. And then and then okay, well that doesn't that Bo Horvat deal doesn't matter when it comes to San Jose, right? Um, you know, you're going to see these other teams also selling uh, yeah. at the same time. So the Canucks just made the first big move. Um, but there is, you know, that Eric Carlson domino is a big one as well. Lastly, because I know a lot of people are asking, because this is the next thing that Canucks players are involved in. What happens to, what happens to Horvat at the All-Star game? I was stupid. I for some reason I thought well, I thought that somehow, I don't know why I said this because I'm lazy. I thought maybe he would still somehow, this is so dumb now that I think about it. I thought he would still play for the Pacific team. Because, I think he will. Really? Okay, then I'm that's, not dumb. That's what I read like a week and a half ago. Someone mm. had like a thing about it and they seemed very sure of it. I don't know who it was. I don't remember it. But someone yeah. said like, yeah, if, if someone gets traded after all-star selections, like they'll still play for that team. Um, I don't know how that works. Weird. It's weird. But I think, you know what, I mean, otherwise you got to like remove someone from that team and then add yep. someone to the, like, it's just messy. Like, just let them go. It's it's the all-star game. No one really cares about who's playing on which team, right? right. Let him, let him be on the Pacific team and, and wear a, an Islanders, a fisherman on his, on his sleeve and, <laughs> uh, and everyone's happy. It'll be fine. He, he was voted. Oh, it, and it, Rain says he will be playing for the Pacific team. Elliot Friedman already confirmed it. Wow. There you go. There you go. See, it wasn't dumb. These guys are smart. Okay, I am smart then. Okay, maybe <laughs> we won't go that far. <laughs> Interesting. Excellent. All right. We got about five minutes left. Okay. Um, any other any other topics you got on the mind? <laughs> oh, you mean there's other stuff? Uh, nah. You know, I I have my show in, in about 20 minutes. I Before this all broke, Parker, I would... I was obviously going to stretch for topics and I was going to talk about just Rick Tockett's first week, but your first impressions really quickly. Um, meh. <laughs> meh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I haven't, I haven't, they, they, it's not like he's done anything to super impress me. I think he, he's been fine in his media availabilities. And uh, again, it, it's so hard for me to be inspired when I don't even want the team to win hockey games. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, if they, if he inspires the team, it's kind of a bad thing. Um, but I want him to be a good coach as well because it's good for our players. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm not like inspired or anything. I, I, I'm sure. very indifferent to this point. Sure. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's pretty clear what he, his job is to build culture and build systems and build uh, his habits now that he, for the team that he's going to be leading for the next two more years if his contract is to be uh, believed to be true. Mm-hmm. So, yep, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Hard to say when you're when you're beating two bottom feeders and getting smoked by a, a stronger team. So we got to see more. Yeah, yeah, the Canucks yep. did exactly what they were supposed to do in both of those <laughs> games. Oh, they lost way worse. I mean, the speechlessness of Docket after That's that true. Seattle game. Uh, did you see the edit of like the Stanley Cup play- Finals commercial? Um, where you know that you know the Stanley Cup Finals commercial from like 2010 ish, 2011. Uh, where it's all the players just being speechless and that's all it okay. is like it cuts to all the players and they're like they're they're at a loss for words like holding the Stanley Cup and then it cuts to talk it like in the dressing room of like not like being dumbfounded by what he just saw his team do um and lose that bad uh, it was pretty good but yeah it's uh it was funny it's like oh wow welcome this is, clearly you did not scout what you were getting into uh because right. this is not the, this is not a new thing for the Vancouver Canucks yep yep that's good. No, I have to look at that. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll go look for it for sure. It is funny. Oh, good. We got a comment from an Isles fan. Thank you, Justin. Beauvillier is a high energy plus player. A lot of ice time PK, some power play. Good at. I, actually, I do. Thank you, Justin, for that that uh, feedback. And Alvin did say that Beauvillier, I, I didn't know this, it can play uh, both both sides of the, the special team, so to speak, power play and penalty kill. So we'll Will see. he be enough to get us another two percentage points on the PK? Maybe up to like a what are they at right now? I don't. I, it's sixty six now. Sixty five. So bad. They're at um, sixty five point five. Maybe oh they God. can always get up to like sixty eight percent with Bavillier. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, there is nothing you can do to convince me that the penalty kill is going to be getting better. Uh, <laughs> it's just like it, it feels like it can't get worse, but it also doesn't feel like it can get better at this point because uh, it is. Like it's now, remember when they were like close with Anaheim and Anaheim was worse for a little bit? It's yeah. now 7% difference. Um, awesome. The Kraken have the second worst PK in the league, actually. How? Um, 72.3%. I don't know. They just, they're good at five on five. Wait, they are second worst at 72.3 and we're at 65? Yeah. And we are the worst. <laughs> so it's a seven seven percent gap. Awesome. It's too many. Too many percent. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other questions that you want to grab here? Uh, or do we want to wrap things up? Whatever you want. All right. I can't. Another like jumping out at me. Um, it is 1058 and I am exhausted. Well, you uh, had a full day of moving. So I, uh, you know, Parker's not looking for accolades here or whatever, but as we said at the top of the show, so for everyone who didn't, uh, didn't hear this in the first two minutes thank you for being here we last week announced that we weren't going to do a show tonight because parker was right in the middle of a move as you can see and uh the the guy he doesn't even have his wi-fi set up so he's streaming from his phone that is the dedication that parker shows to the stream but uh sure glad we did it's not about the numbers but that was our biggest show ever yeah folks if you missed any part of it by the way feel free to rewind back to the beginning uh, or watch it later. You have to like your watch what later playlist, or you can find it on your favorite podcast platform in about 15 or 20 minutes. I'll have that uploaded soon. Um, love it. If you rate on Apple podcast, hit the like button while you're here, subscribe. You guys know the drill mm-hmm. play any parting words this evening. Yeah. Uh, well, Parker, thanks for making this work. Um, I'm going to miss my favorite player, but I'm going to wish him luck, obviously. And I'm truly fascinated for if this is the start of a f- series of moves, 
by our Rebuilding Retooling Canucks. And if you're not sick of this kind of talk, if you want more, even though I'm just basically going to repeat everything Parker and I just said, which is what I do for my Monday night, Monday night show, you're welcome to join me in about 15 minutes or so. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, jump over there. Um, I'm going to go to sleep. I will not be there. Uh, <laughs> no problem. So everyone, I just I steal everything you, all... you say anyways. <laughs> Perfect. I uh, hope you all have a lovely night. Um, and we will see you next time.